0: We're starting a new series this morning. Uh, The series is called Why You Came to Church. Now, I suspect most of you know, at least at some level, the reason why you came to church. But in this series, I'd like to focus on the reasons that you came to church that you may not even know. And one of the reasons that you came to church is that you could grow in love. You could love as God made you to love. And there's all kinds of love relationships that we have. We have love between us and God. We have love for ourselves. We have love for our neighbor love for friends, love for children. Perhaps the most intimate love is the love between a spouse, and I'd like to focus on, on that this morning. So I thought we should invite experts, because you've heard my marriage stories, and you know I don't have too much business talking for 40 continuous minutes on marriage credibly. So uh, I, I wanted to invite Mike and Becky Qualls of the Firm Foundations uh, Family and Marriage. It's a counseling ministry, and uh, they are wonderful. They have a, a God-given gift for insight and communicating. And uh, we talked last week about being a church that looks outward in mission and also looks inward for healing. And this will probably fall into the second category. So I don't know if you're here this morning because you're married. I don't know if you're here this morning because you may someday be married. I don't know if you're here this morning because someone you care about is married. And something that comes up here today may give you uh, something to offer them. I don't know how God may use this time, but I think we've got the right people and the right place and the right heart. So why don't we welcome Mike and Becky Qualls.
1: Did you hear somebody scream? <laughs> That's all I could ask for. Okay. Good morning. And we would, in, uh, we would really encourage screaming throughout the course of the thing. <laughs> That was a joke, so just so just as a test, th- there will be times where we will be hilarious, and if you don't laugh, it will be awkward. So seriously, you'll 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 see. You're gonna love this. Um, no, sorry. Uh, we're we're Mike and Becky, and um, we are we're glad to be here. And we've been yeah. here behind the scenes for a couple of years was doing Several groups. years
2: doing some Wednesday night groups and. Sunday night groups, maybe yeah. a lot of you are familiar faces, and it's nice to see you out yeah, there. And, and we're very excited about being here today. We, uh, we, um, I don't know what to say about us. We, we are, we are counselors, but we're still okay people. Yeah. Um, May twenty six years. Twenty six years. Have a twenty year old and a seventeen year old, uh, both <laughs> boys, and uh, we're we're very glad to be here. The be the beginning of a new year and. Uh, when you think about a new year, you think about a new start, uh, new re- resolve to, to grow and, and to um, improve ourselves in the year to come. And so, um, as the pastor said, we're here today to talk about marriage. Um, and hopefully, if you're, if you're not married, then then this will still be um, something in it you can apply to your relationships. Because um, we want to look today at, at Philippians 1.9. Yeah.
1: And it's the idea of growing. And, and Philippians 1.9 says, and this is my prayer, that your love may grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. And that's what we want to talk about this morning is how love grows. So let's pray real quick. You good with that? Okay. Father, we love you. And, and we want to take this time and make this a time of dedication in our relationships. So, so teach us, encourage us, speak to our hearts. Um, we want to hear from you. Give us words, give us wisdom, and, and help give us the courage to walk in that. So we look forward to what you want to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one thing I want to say is, it just popped into my head. As we talk, one thing to pray about is to listen for yourself. Because it's funny, because whenever you do something about marriage, what we tend to do is listen for our spouse. If you know what I mean. <laughs> so, you know, somebody else "So, you did, you, did you hear that? Did you hear that? We'll talk about that later. <laughs> that was a joke, but, but so, yeah. So
2: yeah, the, the challenge is to listen for ourselves this morning, yeah. and, and we're both called to do that.
1: So what we want to talk about is how love grows. So let, let's jump in with the idea of, um, of when do those opportunities in our marriage come up for love to grow? So if you stop and think, when do those come? Because whenever we first started talking about this, here's the first thing that came to my mind. Um, Becky and I are on a beach, okay? And, and there's music playing in the background, and then there's a sunset coming, and, and, um, and we're on horseback. And, and we're on magnificent stallions riding side by side across the beach. The wind is flowing through my amazing hair. And I'm shirtless. <laughs> Okay? So, I picture that and there's where love grows.
2: As as married couples, we all have those moments where we see them as, wow, this is awesome. These are these amazing times when things are just clicking and and our love really has that opportunity to grow. But we we also want to say that those are not the only times. Those are not the only opportunities for our love to grow. In fact, as we thought about it, our first, our first opportunity where we saw as a married couple for our love to grow took place in the first few days of our marriage, and it, it took place in our small little apartment in Washington, Missouri. I think it was 600 square feet.
1: Of pure love. Yes. Pure love, people. So, and oddly enough, there, there was no sand, there were no horses, there were no uh, sunsets because it took place in our bathroom. And and I know, that sounds a little weird, right? But
2: but it had to do with towels.
1: Okay, that's true. So, quick survey. How many of you use a towel and uh, take a shower and hang it back up? Show of hands. Takes a lot of courage to admit that, so I'm I'm proud of you. (laughs) Now, here's the next question. How many of you do the more, shall we say, the more normal thing where you use a towel, take a shower, and then put it in the hamper? I see that hand. Okay, Okay. You. so
2: here we are in our first apartment.
1: Few <laughs> that days, did not turn out how I had A few work.
2: days into marriage, and um, I would notice that, that I would come in the bathroom after Mike showered, and, and, the, and the towel would be kind of hanging out of the hamper.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so I would do the loving thing that a wife would do in looking out for him and thinking, wow, his towel's going to be wet and damp and moldy tomorrow. I'm going to hang it up so it can dry.
1: And I would come back in later, and I would notice that somehow the towel had crawled out. <laughs> and, and we kind of had this pattern and this thing. Went on that, for
2: a few days. Went on
1: for a few days. But I didn't say anything um, because we had the love thing going on. And when you have a love thing going on, one thing you know you don't want to do is you don't want to break the streak. Right? Am I right? You feel the love thing going on, and you feel it, and it, it's there, and you, but you don't say anything.
2: So so here we were a few days into marriage faced with this first opportunity for our love to grow. And it wasn't about something romantic. It was something as insignificant as what do you do with a towel after you use it.
1: And and as married couples we go, what does that have to do with love? Well, in reality uh, of how our relationships work, our love grows um, as we learn to deal with our differences. As we learn to care for one another.
2: And, and in marriage, we come into marriage with a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. We also come in with a lot of differences, right? And, and the similarities are those things we have in common, and, and those are essential to marriage. But we also have all these differences and these ways that we are not alike. And how we, how we care for those differences determines um, how our love will grow.
1: Because what we're doing, we're moving from the familiar into a place we haven't been before. And, and love grows when it goes somewhere it hasn't been.
2: And it isn't so much about the size of the difference. A towel isn't really that big of a deal but it's how we deal with those small day-to-day things that really aren't a big deal that can determine then how we deal with the bigger things in life.
1: Yeah, because the little things set up the next conversations, don't they? When the little things go well, when we feel cared for, then it sets up, it builds things that help us in the future.
2: And just as a side note, some of the stories that we will be sharing with you this morning are about our early years of marriage and where those differences first showed up but i don't we don't want you to think this this morning is for beginners because how we deal with or don't deal with those differences early in our marriage doesn't just go away with time when we don't handle it correctly sometimes those can then become the things that we begin to focus on and those can be the things that we look at as the focus instead of our similarities so it can affect us wherever we're at
1: in marriage in a way they start driving our marriage and a lot of times when you talk to couples who, who are struggling they have those defining moments in their marriage when when a conversation doesn't go well when things went off and we begin to draw conclusions there does that make sense at all? Makes no sense. So it it
2: works for wherever you are at this morning in marriage, this morning is for you. So we're going to talk a second about how our love grows.
1: What's that look like?
2: Think about a time when you had a conversation with your spouse and you didn't maybe necessarily see things the same way, but you felt listened to. You felt understood and you felt accepted.
1: You you have a conversation and at the end of it, your spouse doesn't say, but they accept you right there where you're at. They understand and they accept.
2: Or think about a time when you feel that your spouse values you and they show that by doing something for you that is really not something they care about at all, but you know they did it because they care about you. Those are examples of how our love grows. Those are living out um, the expression of of um, psalms 139 14 that says i praise you lord for i am fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful and i know that full well when i live that out i can see that about myself but i can also say lord mike is also fearfully and wonderfully made even in those ways that he is very different from me
1: and and i do the same thing i go god thank you that i'm fearfully and wonderfully made and and god wow you you knew what you were doing with becky Even in the ways that she doesn't think, she doesn't have the same perspective that I do, they are just as valuable.
2: Doesn't that sound incredible? I I mean,
1: isn't that what we all want? Isn't that why we get married?
2: I have finally found someone who knows me. He really, really knows me and he still likes me. I feel so cared for and so loved by him.
1: This is huge. (laughs) Let's do this. Let's get a cake. Let's get dressed up.
2: In fact, I will spend more money on this dress that I will wear only one time in my life than anything I will ever buy.
1: Sweetheart, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I've looked through my closet. There's nothing deserving. I will rent. I will go and I will rent something. And here's how good I feel. I will dance with you. (laughs) and then how often does that happen after that (laughs) that's true
2: Um, couples start off just growing in their love but why is it that so many times that growth stops and we begin to build walls and and you know what we mean by building walls we gave you an example of what growing in love looks like building walls is those conversations where Things don't go well between us, and I don't feel heard. I don't feel understood. I don't feel accepted in my opinion or my thoughts or my, or my perspective. And so I kind of shut down just a little bit. I pull back just a little bit because this doesn't feel, I'm, not, I'm no longer feeling like he sees me as fearfully and wonderfully made.
1: And, and it doesn't mean uh, walls go up because Becky doesn't always agree with me. She just, it's in those times walls go up whenever we don't feel the value. So what we do is the walls represent self-preservation. It didn't go well. I don't want to go there again because of how that felt. So I, we build up the walls. And you know when couples say that, I feel you shutting down to me. Why? Because who we are, where we're different, isn't pleasing to each other anymore. So let's not go there.
2: And, and as marriage counselors, we can say that, that we we really haven't met with people who have dark black hearts. Mm -hmm. It it is people who have good hearts who didn't understand how to care for the heart of their spouse in those ways that they were different. It isn't that people go in with bad intentions and 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 these things intentionally happen where walls are built.
1: What we tend to to see is it's, it's the idea of Colossians eight and it's the idea of captivity. Uh, it states, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human traditions and the basic principles of the world rather than on Christ. The idea of captivity is that we believe something to be true that isn't. We act on what we believe to be true, and we don't get the results we're looking for. And So what happens is, it's not about trying, it's about we don't understand and we're not walking in truth, and and what happens is discouragement, fear builds in our relationship, and uh, a lot of times, and we look around us and we go, and a lot of people are in the same boat we're in too, so this just must be how it is.
2: But, but there are a couple of false beliefs about marriage that are very prevalent in our society. And, and when we live from those beliefs, we, we live in that kind of captivity that we're talking about. So we're going to look at those two beliefs this morning and kind of how they, how they impact our marriage and what we can do differently. Mm-hmm. So the first one has to do with the fact that a lot of people believe that to have a good marriage, we only need to focus on our similarities. In in fact, often people see differences as as threats and threats to our relationship, and they don't see them as opportunities to grow. So, because we're different, let's just sort of put that aside and let's focus on the ways in which we're similar.
1: And and that idea in relationships uh, formulates in the dating process because in dating, what are we looking for? We're gathering data to see if there's someone that I have enough similarities with. And similarities are so important in a relationship. that They are th- that foundational piece that we, we have shared values and beliefs that, that drive our, our decisions, that drive how we live. And we, having
2: common interests and common hobbies and enjoying things together. That's very important and that's not, we're not in any way diminishing oh, that.
1: It, it's, it's essential to focus on your similarities But we have to be able to care for our differences, for our love to grow.
2: And often when we date, we minimize those differences. Um, You know, we think things like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. It'll take care of itself once we get married. Have you
1: ever heard anybody say that? It'll take care of itself once we get married.
2: And, and often, also, you know, we, because we minimize them, we see ourselves as having very few differences. So, so we have all example, these
1: similarities. And we
2: kind of see it as, and we just have a few differences. But as we get into marriage, we find out things that we didn't even know were there whenever we were dating. And
1: I did not know anything about towels. <laughs> that discussion did not come up in the dating process.
2: So we have to be able to focus on our similarities, but we also have to not be um, avoiding our differences or seeing our differences as a threat, but as an opportunity to grow.
1: Because if we don't care for our differences, what tends to happen is our differences become the focal point of our marriage. As opposed to something we just care for, that becomes what we tend to, to to see our marriage through is our differences.
2: And the the cool thing about marriage is it's a lifetime of discovery. Um, as we grow and and learn and and discover more about each other, we still focus on our different uh, on our on our similarities, sure. but we care for the differences and we learn and we grow and we care for one another's heart as a servant's heart, which is is all what, what God tells us that marriage is about.
1: And, and the thing is, we cannot care for differences that we don't understand. We cannot care for differences that we don't think we should have. But, so what happens is we get caught off guard and they, those differences that tend to be neutral end up becoming character flaws and, uh, and deep-seated problems.
2: That we see in our spouse. That we so, see in our spouse, yeah. So most of the differences come from one of four places. Um, first of all, we grew up in different cultures um, with different life experiences.
1: We, we both have different personalities.
2: We're different genders.
1: And uh, we tend to, to give and receive love in, in different ways.
2: And even if we're very similar in a lot of those areas, we still have differences, unless there's cloning involved, we still are different people, and have different perspectives in that, so. So,
1: Let's, let's, yeah, let's talk about (laughs) culture first, and and by culture, what we mean is, um, not different countries, but different homes.
2: The, The moment I walked into the house that Mike was raised in, I entered a place where there were different ways of communicating. There were different rules and expectations about how things were done. There were different role expectations, there were different traditions than the home I was raised in. It was a different culture.
1: And I don't care if you grew up across the street, grew up in church together, you grew up you grew up in different cultures. Um, give you an example of and, and, and that tends to create a sense of normal. and, and normal very often has a moral implication in that. <laughs> Because normal people do things in a normal way. And if you're not normal, then you're what? Weird. Abnormal. Do Weird. you want to be abnormal? <laughs> walk to the light, <laughs> right? So here we are in the first few weeks of marriage. Um, uh, I would come home from work. Becky's home. She'd taken a semester off from school. And, and she's making dinner. And I walk in. And, and I, I come into the kitchen, tell her hi. I sniff the food. I taste the food, I add something to the food, and I put the lid on. And I'd been doing this for a couple weeks, but on this particular uh, time, something very unusual happened. (laughs) My wife, of about two, two and a half, three weeks, burst into tears. Burst into tears. Burst into tears, which was very, very confusing to me. Because I thought I was doing something good, and guess what happened? Something bad. (laughs) There was a problem.
2: So as we talked about it, um, what was going on there, we realized that this was a difference about the homes we grew up in.
1: Because I was a deer in the headlights.
2: He was. He was very surprised that I was crying. (laughs) A lot of you weren't surprised, right? (laughs) I heard a lot of you go, oh. But you know, I I, I I thought
1: I was seeing a lot of this. (laughs) Okay.
2: I came from a very. Agree to
1: disagree. I
2: came from a very traditional family. My dad worked outside the home. My mom worked inside of it. She prepared wonderful meals. She kept the house immaculately clean, and my dad was a wonderful man. But for him to heat up a can of soup would have been stretching it. He did not go into the kitchen.
1: I grew up in a single parent home. My mom worked two jobs to take care of us, and I learned at an early age to cook. And I learned at an early age to cook like she cooked, seasoned to taste, right? So here I am doing something very normal, very natural to me, and I think I'm doing something good.
2: And from the home I was raised in, the only way I could make sense of the fact that he would come in and season the food I was making every night is that it was so hideous that there is no way he could gag it down without adding something to it. So after we talked, um, I was able to have a great relief in knowing that he didn't hate my cooking. And, and we, I was able to accept that. He was trying to help me, and that was a way that we could, you know, sh- share our evening together. And, and I saw it for what he really meant it. And 26 years later, we still cook together, and it's a very good thing. Uh,
1: but I'm feeling negative tension from you guys right now. <laughs> Watch it. Um, but, but here's the thing. What if that conversation would have gone poorly?
2: Or what if it wouldn't have happened at all? What if I would have walked away thinking, he hates the way I cook. I wonder what else I'm not pleasing him in. I wonder how disappointed he is in this marriage three weeks in.
1: Or I walk away going, wow, I did something good and I made my wife cry. I'm not very pleasing to her. You know what? I can't please her just like I couldn't please fill in the blank. And now, right in that little opportunity, the wall starts going up between the two of us. But because we had it, we had clarity with one another. And we began, that was a a way that we were able to grow as a couple because we knew what was going on.
2: So, Do you see how important it is to be able to have those conversations, to be able to talk through our differences and not not see them as a negative thing but a way that we can grow another common we talk about
1: personality yeah okay this is a personality is about those those uh, those natural things that we do, how we naturally communicate, how we naturally recharge, how we uh, naturally connect with people, um, how um, on and on, and, and how we sh- naturally structure our lives, and and we have similarities in a lot in a lot of those, but our biggest difference is how we structure our lives.
2: I I am a very structured person. I like to be organized. I like to have a plan. I need to have a plan. I like to make lists. I love. I get a rush out of marking things off my list. I She'll often we'll put things on my list that I've already done so I can just mark them off and see all of my accomplishments. D-
1: uh, do I strike you that way? <laughs> I tend to be more of a free spirit. I prefer jumping in over planning. I prefer what's it what do you feel like doing? And I I value adventure, right? So What's the chance that teeny-tiny difference really impacts us at all?
2: Only every day of our lives. Every evening when we get home from work. Every night after the kids go to bed. Every weekend. Weekend,
1: vacation, holidays. Right? Now, because think about this. What does a structured person want to do after the kids go to bed? What? Yeah
2: plan, clean, organize, mark things off the list. This is a time that we can be focused. We can get things done, right?
1: Right. Because it's the most productive time of the day. And what's a a free spirit want to do? Checkers. (laughs) Let's play checkers. Let's have some fun, right? So those differences come into our relationship. And without the understanding, we get stuck.
2: Listen again to Philippians 1.9, and this is my prayer for you, that your love may grow in knowledge and depth of insight.
1: When we're faced with a difference, what do we need to grow? First of all, we need that knowledge and depth of insight. And and that comes when we're able to turn and ask each other questions to know who each other is.
2: So a knowledge question is something like, how do you see this? Um, What is your perspective here? And it's not a, what on earth are you thinking? It's a, it's a heart issue of, I really want to get, this is a way that we are different, and I really want to understand your heart here. So how do you see this? What is your perspective? Those are knowledge questions to get that information. And
1: then I have to listen. Yes. But then the second question is an insight question. And most insight questions begin with why. Why do you see it this way? Why is this important to you? Why do you value that? And then listen, because here's the hard part. When we're faced with our differences and we ask each other those questions, they are not going to make any sense to us.
2: It's not going to be something I relate to because that's not who I naturally am. It's that area where we're different.
1: But the value then comes in whenever I go, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 14 you are fearfully and wonderfully made and and I so my response is that I'm not like that my response is so that's how you are
2: so so our call then is once we ask the question is to listen to not dismiss it not see it as invalid um but to accept it can, so.
1: can we can we finish a tell story with you Okay, so, so there we are. We sit down and we have the towel. Ta- we begin talking about what's going on with the towels.
2: And, and Mike asked me how I saw it and, and what my perspective was. And, and I explained to him that, that I grew up in a family where we hung up the towel after we used it. You know, you're clean, you just cleaned yourself, you're drying off. Why, you know, hang it up and use it a few times before you do the laundry?
1: And, and that logic made sense to me, but there was something inside of me that resisted. Anybody ever resisted, even though it makes sense? You go, ugh, it just seems wrong.
2: So then I asked Mike, so how do you see it?
1: And, and what I began to explain, I took a shower, opened the, the basement door, and I threw the towel down and it tumbled down to the landing. And at that point, I, my understanding is that we had a towel fairy and the (laughs) towel fairy would grab the towel and then it would come back up a few days later and it was magical, right? (laughs) Now, here's what was really important that we took the time to understand because what we understood was this was a family of origin issue between us. We, we a different, were raised differently. Right. We were
2: raised differently in what we did with the towel. It which, wasn't, it's not a moral issue. Which made sense
1: why I resisted because it was feeling like a moral issue until we understood each other.
2: So once we understood, then we had to decide, so what are we going to do as a married couple in our own house, our 600 foot of square, 600 square foot of bliss, right. what are we going to do here?
1: We had five towels, and uh, no washer and dryer and very few quarters (laughs) so guess what we decided as in in our understanding and depth of insight we made a decision of who we were going to be without and and that was we're going to reuse our towels because but without that understanding and depth of insight then the conversation ends like this okay we'll do it your way this time but who's on deck to win next (laughs) and what do we do we get out our little sheets and go okay that's one in your column and now we get away from caring for one another and and we get into a bartering system but because we got the knowledge and the depth of insight the connection came and it's who we were
2: and we both felt understood and cared for and we made that simple little decision based on what worked for us Um, so Again, even in those simple little things, the importance of feeling like we can know and understand each other and then care for one another even in our differences. A a second thing that can kind of keep us stuck in in growing in our marriage has to do um, with the fact that a lot of people believe in, in order to have a good marriage, I can just do what comes natural to me, and our love is just going to flow.
1: And in fact, it's a sign of a good marriage that it just naturally flows. Um, and, and if you think about it, once again, it starts at the beginning of our relationship because most people are forced to go through some form of premarital counseling, but most people don't really want to. Why? Because they have invented love. They have perfected love. You cannot teach what we have going on here, people. Right? So what we want to do is we want you to save your time for people in need because we have no need. We've invented it. And it
2: is funny because we do a lot of premarital counseling and we'll have couples come back to us in the next year or two after marriage and say, could we go through that again? Because we really didn't think it was going to apply to us, and so now we're ready to listen.
1: Yeah, and and what's also funny is that doesn't go away in premarital counseling. You know what? You know how married people, a lot of married people, look at going to a marriage class. Oh my, oh my, I had no idea. I had no idea you, that you were struggling. I'll be praying for you. <laughs> Have you ever taken golf lessons? And they go, I had no idea. I have, you so ever,
2: have you ever gone to an in-service training at your work, and people go, oh, I had no idea you were on the verge of being fired. I'll, I'll be praying for you that you don't lose your job. We
1: attach shame to, to doing something for our marriage because we believe it should just flow. And, and the thing is, there are natural things about marriage. And guess what those natural things are? There are similarities, Those ways that we interact with each other that make perfect sense because we're both alike. I don't have to think about how to take care of Becky's heart in the ways that we're alike. I just have to do what comes natural, and she loves me and thinks I'm a stud. Right?
2: (laughs) But what about those places where things don't come natural? It's not natural for me to care for a perspective that's different than mine. It's not natural for me to care for a preference that's different than mine.
1: It's not natural for me to take care of a personality that's different than mine. Uh, You know, what tends to come more natural is to dismiss the things that aren't like me. So, But in order to grow, I have to look and say, that natural part doesn't mean we're flawed or there's something wrong with this. It's we want to learn how to walk, how to care for one another in that.
2: And when we act naturally in our differences and just do what comes natural to us, that's when those walls can be built. And, and it's really acting out that thought of, you know what, he's different than me, and it doesn't make sense to me, and how I see it is right, and when I convey that to him, it begins the building of those walls. So, so I might say something like, don't worry about it. You know, I, and what I mean is, I'm not worried about it, and if I'm not worried about it, there's nothing to worry about. I'll tell you when to worry, when I worry.
1: And I may turn around to to the woman I've committed my life to and say, be logical. And what I mean is, be like me. Think like me, because I have the market cornered on logic.
2: I might say something like, it doesn't bother me. And what I mean is, it doesn't bother me. Why should it bother you? I'm fine.
1: I, I may turn, not even realizing what's going on, and I say, sweetheart, you're being too needy now what i mean on the inside is (laughs) (laughs) what i mean is you need more than i need but i have the correct amount of need be like me
2: i may say something like well that's just not who i am And, and what i mean is it doesn't come naturally to me and I don't need to go outside of what's natural. This is
1: who I am. You know where that can come up a lot? I just thought about this is when we deal with how we feel loved, right? Because a lot of times we love in different ways and our spouse asks for something and we go, "Ah, that doesn't come natural to me. Well, the question is, then who's supposed to do it? If my (laughs) wife loves to be touched and I go, I'm not a touchy person, didn't come from a touchy family, good luck with that. (laughs) <laughs> right? But whose call is that on my life? Whose call is that? That's mine. She's the only one that I get to do that with. I'm sorry, I got a little sidetracked. But very often, that's where we have that thought because it doesn't come natural.
2: So, so bricks are laid and walls are built one conversation at a time whenever we act natural in our differences. And, and walls are really built to protect ourselves. When I feel like he says I'm too needy, Kind of that little wall goes up of he doesn't accept me for who i
1: am so what happens if we have some walls between us one wouldn't it be refreshing to know that the walls aren't intentional we just weren't prepared to deal for those differences and those differences that didn't get dealt with back here kind of get momentum and they become the focal point of our relationship. But wouldn't it be awesome with the thought of we are two people with good hearts and that's what we see with the couples we work. How do we now walk? How do we learn to care for one another in, in in a way that our love grows?
2: And it really starts with understanding that. And then that God calls us to seek forgiveness He he calls us to give each other the benefit of the doubt in knowing it wasn't intentional that these walls, that these bricks got laid, and then um, to extend grace. And that looks like a do-over. It looks like let's let's start let's start fresh today at this beginning of this new year. Let's start fresh in how we handle it.
1: Caring for the, the the heart of my wife is a supernatural call. C- caring for one another's heart in life is a supernatural call because caring for something that's different than me does not come natural. And that s- supernatural call I- is stated in Philippians 2, 3, and 4.
2: It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others.
1: Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Vain conceit is the notion that I have the market cornered on reality. Be like me. And, 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 and what's God say to us? He says, Mike, stop doing that.
2: But in humility. Humility is the opposite of vain conceit. It's being able to say, thank you, God, that Mike is fearfully and wonderfully made, even in those ways that he is different. So instead of acting natural, I can try to gain wisdom and, and insight into his heart. I can try to gain that knowledge by asking different questions. Instead of saying, don't worry about it, I can say, so Mike, how do you see it? What about this worries you?
1: Instead of saying, be logical, I could say, how do you see it? And why do you see it that way?
2: Instead of saying, it doesn't bother me, I can say, Mike, what about this bothers you? I really want to understand what about this bothers you.
1: Instead of saying, um, you're too needy, I can say, what do you need? And why is that important to you?
2: And instead of saying, that's just not who I am, I can say, you know, that doesn't come natural to me, but I am committed to care for your heart in that way.
1: And and here's the thing, just as walls are built one conversation at a time, how do they come down one conversation at a time? This isn't an all or nothing proposition, but it's about that commitment to care for each other's heart.
2: And the last part of verse 4 says, look out not only for your own interest, but also for theirs as well, for the interest of others. And there, there is nothing, like Mike said, there's nothing natural about this, but this is where the work of, of the Holy Spirit in our, our life comes in. If our heart is willing to understand theirs, we can care for each other's hearts and we can grow in our love.
1: Now, let's put some, let's put some flesh, let's put some, uh, some bones around this. But back to our personality difference in structured and free spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, if we would not have understood, seen the value, and cared for one another, do you know what tends to happen between this personality difference? Um, how do structured people, what tends going on inside of them?
2: Often, I, I mean, I could have become the designated worker. I could have seen myself as it's my responsibility to do all this, in parentheses, because he's not responsible. Oftentimes, structured people see their spouse as a, a grown child because they want to f- have fun, they want to play. And, and the structured people see themselves as the ones who have to keep the adult things going.
1: And that's where resentment sits in, right? Now, what, what happens to the free spirit? You don't like me because you don't want to spend any time with me. You're not interested in that. And then very often the free spirit will see the structured person as controlling. Wow. Now, how does love grow between an irresponsible and a controlling person? We get stuck there, and, and that becomes um, where our differences become unmanageable, and that's all we see in our relationship, because what's a good marriage about? Focusing on similarities, caring for our differences, but when our our differences go uncared for, they define us. Does that make sense?
2: So as we were able to talk about it and ask those questions and understand each other's hearts, I really came to understand the value of Mike's need for enjoying each other. If you think about it, that's what dating is about. We enjoy each other, we spend time together, we do things that we enjoy together, and we make time for that. So I, underst- I begin to understand that that wasn't just um, something to be done after the work is done, because here's a little secret if you're like me, you have to come to the realization that the work is never done. If we wait until the list is all marked off to enjoy each other and have fun, we wake up years down the line and say, wow, we had a clean house, but our marriage isn't so good.
1: But the thing is, if I wouldn't have cared for her heart, then what happens in her heart is this is all up to me. And, and, And we become polarized in our relationship, but we cared for one another. She said, I see the value of connecting with my husband, and she put me at the top of the list which is we all want to be at the top of each other's list, don't we? And what happens is, and what did I do?
2: Mike realized that even though he could relax, as he says, in a crime scene, he could just sit down, play cards no matter what the house looked like. I consider
1: that a gift, by the
2: way. He he realized that was hard for me. So he would come in and help me pick up that room, and he began helping more and doing things so that I could feel the ability to relax. Because
1: even though I didn't feel the pressure that you did, I can go, I wouldn't want her to go around feeling that all the time. I want to care for that. And and, and the cool thing was that we were able to connect in our difference.
2: And we do that on a nightly basis, and we do that as we plan our weekends, as far as what are we going to do for fun, when are we going to have time to relax together, and what? And Mike will often say to me, so what's on the top of our list for this weekend? And I know he doesn't care about the list, but he cares about me. And that's an (coughs) awesome thing.
1: And, And it's in those little things... That, that our love grows because we're able to go into areas that that now uh, maybe have felt off-limits, places we can't go, places that we've built walls around that we can come and, and we can grow, we can share more life together. But because ultimately, that's what we want to do. And, and ultimately, we want our marriage to be a little heaven on earth. But it doesn't just happen naturally.
2: So the question this morning as we close, to think, the question to think about is, are, are you walking in knowledge and depth of insight? Do you understand the heart of your spouse? Are there places where those differences have, have kind of caused you to step back and maybe build a little bit of a wall? And, and if so, what are the questions that you need to ask? What are the things that you need to gain knowledge and depth of insight about so that your love can grow?
1: Let's pray, let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for the gift of marriage. We thank you that you created us for relationships. And and Father, we pray uh, that our love would grow, that that we follow after you in humility, walking in truth, agreeing with you. And we pray that you give us the courage and the grace for the conversations we need to have, one conversation at a time, so that our love can grow. Thank you for for, uh, this time. And and, uh, we look forward to, to a future with a hope. In Jesus' name,
0: Amen. Mike and Becky, we wanted to give you a gift basket. Oh, oh thank,
1: you thank you very much for coming to be with us. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I said something wrong. So it's, <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you very thank much. You very thank, much. You. much. <laughs> oh. thank you very much. Appreciate that.
0: I want more of that. I want more of that insight in my life, and I hope you do too. We're gonna be serious about that this year. Mike and Becky are gonna be doing classes with us uh, ongoing as the year goes on. In fact, it's kind of our goal to have them here about 12 weeks here in 2013. So one out of every four weeks, there's gonna be some opportunity at some time for us to all grow in this. Um, So one of the uh, areas uh, of difference that can crop up is differences in parenting, right? Do we agree even on differences on raising kids? Some of us are just plain clueless, right? I have no idea. There's no instruction manual for this. I just know I don't want to do how I was raised or something like that. So uh, they're going to be doing a parenting class. So take out your pencil because a little bit you'll want to, to know if you want to sign up for the parenting class. Go on Lakeland Connect. Click More Forms, and then it'll say Parenting 1, Spring 2013. Click that, and that is the registration form. More Forms Parenting 1, Spring 2013. If you don't want to do it through that button, you can go to the All Church Calendar, go down to April 7th when the class begins, and you'll see Parenting Class click that, and it'll take you to that registration form. So, it's $65 for you, whether you come yourself or as a couple. And if you want to do child care for the five-week class, you can uh, click that, and $40 will do all f- uh, five weeks, no matter how many children you have. So, the parenting class will be coming up. There'll be one in the spring, and we're going to do a, a different one in the fall, because it's our goal to have them back, and we're going to have a lunch here pretty soon to talk about if there's something they might be able to do with us at Lakeland Camp. So, um, look forward to that, and and and, and check out that uh, Parenting One class, the relational bridge is what it's called, and we'll be talking about that more. They're going to be staying with us for a short time. They do have some other things to get to during our Epiphany Feast. So if you would like to approach Mike and Becky about a counseling need, uh, they don't have their calendar here to sort that out, and they don't have their uh, sliding scale of fees to sort all that out. But what they do have is they have cards with them. And so if you want to ask them for a card, they can give you a card, and you can contact them this week and, uh, and start that because... You don't wait to go to the doctor until you have a tumor the size of a cantaloupe in your gut, right? You go when you first feel that pain that won't go away. You first have that little small wound, and it just won't heal. The same thing, okay, in marriage. When you start having that same argument over and over again, or you have nine different arguments that always seem to come back to this one thing, you just can't quite get over this. something. There's a bit of stuckness. Then you go to a professional, and you have them look at it. Somebody who sees these patterns a dozen times a day, and can can give you an insightful diagnosis. That's what counseling is. Counseling is not the announcement that you're about to be divorced, and this is T minus three and counting down. All right? It's it's something we all ought to do on a regular basis. And and, uh, Ashley and I uh, spent uh, a a visit a week with Mike and Becky last spring for about three months. And I'm proud to say the the police have not been summoned to our home since February to rescue our dishes. So uh, we're very proud of that, and, and I hope you will talk to them too. Marta is going to share with us uh, some uh, additional announcements, and then we'll begin our celebration.
3: Okay. Um, Yeah, I have some announcements I'd like to add on that um, I highly um, recommend the quals as well. Even if you're single, if you're an aunt, you're an uncle, any of these principles that they um, teach about are applicable to any of your relationships at work, at um, any of them. They're just applicable to anything. Anytime I have a chance to be around Mike and Becky I glean something new so I highly recommend these classes um, so please take them and um, okay a couple announcements 2012 giving reports they will not be ready or completely accurate until January 15th they are already up on Lakeland connect and you can download them and print them off but they probably won't be completely accurate till January 15th so all of you with those personality types that want to go ahead and, um, you know, do your taxes today or tomorrow. (laughs) Wait till January 15th. They will not be accurate until then. Um, They probably will be, but give us a chance to make sure that they're all updated. Okay, got that. Um, After then, you can print them off on your own, or if you're having any trouble with them at all, just come see me at the kiosk, and we'll help you out with that. Movie night. The women's ministry is going to see Les Mis on Tuesday night. Wonderful movie. So make sure you join them. I think they're meeting up at East Glen at 640. So make sure you do that if you're a woman. Um, And meet some new friends. And epiphany. Okay, so talk about personality differences. The planning of this epiphany feast was like Crazy and people are like, what? Are, what are we gonna do with our dishes? And Gears like, how much is it gonna cost? And all this kind of money. So we all had our personality differences on this thing, and I won't. I'll spare you the details, but I will give you some instructions. And getting hundreds of people to do a feast is is no easy task. So we would love for everybody in this room, and and the kids and everyone to be able to stay. But if you can't stay, we understand. Go ahead and grab your kids, and you know that's great. We, you could stay and chat. But the idea behind the epiphany feast is that everyone would chip in. Everybody would do some part of the work. And normally we have it on a Thursday night, which means everyone could come in and set up tables and bring their hot dish and all that kind of thing. But it happened at fall on a Sunday this year, which threw a brunch in the thing. So we were planning, how we're going to get hot meals, la, la la la. So this is what we decided to do. Everyone has their side dishes out there, and they look really good, and they dropped it off when they came in. However, we're still gonna need help setting up tables. So if you are able, please help set up tables. If you're not and you need to go grab your kids, that's great, go grab your kids. But if you're able help set up tables, we want all, everyone to help set up pitch-in. Okay. We realized there probably wouldn't be a whole lot of hot dishes, so um, some of us who really like hot dishes and things like that said, how about we get some chicken? So Liz and her team, They ordered some hot chicken, it's going to be here. It probably still is out there right now. We're asking for donations because there are some budget-minded people who said, I'm not naming any names, Garrett Leahy, who said (laughs) that's not in the budget. So if you would like to donate to um, that, there will be a place to donate towards the hot dishes. And um, we would love for that. I know you guys are super generous as, as evidence from last year's budget. So if you'd like to do that, we would love for you guys to help donate towards that. Um, and we're doing it different. Imagine that. We're doing something different here at Lakeland, but we're doing it differently, and we're going to ask that you go help set up tables, go get your kids, and then file back here in the sanctuary. So instead of lining up out in the, in the lobby and through the West Lobby because there's some soccer teams out there, we're asking that you come back through the sanctuary where it's nice and warm and line up in here and then file the the food will be going out towards the lobby instead of coming back this way. I know that's different. Y'all got it? I know you can do it. Someone said, this is going to be chaos. I'm like, I know, but we love chaos, don't we? (laughs) Thank you. Let me pray for the lunch and um, have a great time of togetherness. Thanks for staying. We hope you stay. Lord, thanks for our time at the Clause this morning. Help us to grow in more insight and in knowledge and help us to care for each other's differences. Help us to have a great time of fellowship and um, community today. And um, thanks for blessing us so generously with all the things that you give us, all the tools and resources that you give us. Help us to grasp onto those as eagerly as we can. In Jesus' name, amen.